you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast, the hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Ah, ready. Ready. Just like I said, I'm ready. Where's the host? Oh, wait. Hey, oh, the card says it's me. Hi, I'm your host, Chris Voss. The ChrisVossShow.com. Welcome to the show, everyone. It's wonderful to have you. Uh, people yell at me when I don't sing it. The ChrisVossShow.com. You know, it's really funny how you guys send me messages if I don't sing it. It's really, I don't know. I love you guys, but Jesus, after 13 years, I got to come up with something else, man. Anyway, guys, welcome to the show. We certainly appreciate you coming by. We have a brilliant multi-book author on the show today. He's going to blow your mind Near Ale is on the show with us today, and he's uh, got two amazing books he's written. Uh, he might have had more than that. We'll check in with him and find out. Uh, but we're going to be talking to him about his amazing books. So I was friends with him on the old LinkedIn over there. You may have heard of it. Microsoft bought it a couple years ago, tried to destroy it, and they're trying their hardest, but it's still not working. Um, but, uh, it's kind of like Microsoft is kind of like the Elon Musk of LinkedIn. So. That's what I think about that. But uh, still, I made I recognized that I was friends with him, and I've been friends with him for several. I don't know. However, I've been on LinkedIn for two thousand eight since two thousand eight for two thousand eight. It seems like for two hundred thousand eight years, and uh, and I was like, hey man, we should uh, have you on the show. And he's like, hey man, that sounds like a good idea. I'm not sure that's the language he used, but uh, I'm paraphrasing. Anyway, he is on the show with us today. Going to be talking to us about his amazing book and business science insights. And you're going to learn so much, it's going to make you sexier, guaranteed to help you in the bedroom. Your wife still won't like you, but uh, you will be sexier. Uh, Near Ale is the best-selling author of Hooked, How to Build Habit-Forming Products, and Indistractable, How to Control Your Attention and Choose Life. At least that's what I read when I was between my Instagram messages. He is taught at the Stanford Graduate School of Business and Hasso Plattner Institute of Design. I may get yelled at for that one. His uh, writing on technology, psychology, and business appears in the Harvard Business Review. We love the authors we have from them on the show. The Atlantic, TechCrunch, and Psychology Today. I'm going to ask him, I'm going to show him my brain and ask him uh, if it looks infected. Welcome to the show, Nir. How are you? Hey, man. See, I do talk like that. How are you? Yeah, yeah, you got the whole hey man thing going on. All right. <laughs> hey, so uh, Nir, give us your, uh, Nir, give us your, uh, did I get the hassle right? Is that? Hassel Platter, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's the founder of SAP. So you went to Stanford and I went to uh uh public school. So that's how that works. <laughs> I also oh. went to public school. <laughs> no, did you really? Oh, you must yeah, have went to yeah. a different one. I went to one where they, it was pretty much just FFA, Future Farmers of America the whole time. Yeah. yeah. Much, they, they we we had that you. too. I grew up in uh central Florida. So yeah, we had that too. I went to public school and think- then uh shipped off from there. What I under, from what I understand, they still do that in Florida. That's like a Florida man yeah. thing, isn't it? I don't know. Oh, that was a big, the, that was a big club in my high school. <laughs> Future farmers. You know, I also learned welding, wood shop, and leather working, and metal shop. Go. 
and uh, none those of those. Those are real yeah. skills, not not like what I do. I just I just click on keys all day. They are. Well, I'm either gonna. I mean, the the great thing about uh, my podcast is if things don't work out with this whole thing, uh, I can always fall back on either my uh, strip club days of uh, being a, a Chippendales dancer, or I can go back to my welding career. Probably my welding career <laughs> at this point because I don't I don't fit in those songs very well. Anyway, welcome to the show. We certainly appreciate you coming by. Give us your dot com. Did we get the dot com from you? Yeah, it's near and far. Near like my first name, N I R. So it's near and far dot com. I just wanted to cement that in and make sure we got it because I was in between jokes and thinking of the next one. So welcome to the show, my friend. Uh, you've got two right. amazing books. Is it just the two? Two, two for now. I sorry to make that sound like. Is it just two? Like is that it? That's <laughs> all you can write. <laughs> So you've got the two books on, and they've got amazing reviews. Uh, you've really kicked ass on these uh, uh, books, so congratulations. Uh, the first one, let's uh, let's start from the top. Uh, well, let's do this. Let's lay a foundation and sell you the audience. That's always good. Tell us a little bit about yourself, how you grew up, what you ate for breakfast, yeah. and uh, how you got here. What got you into the business of writing books and business consulting? Yeah, so I'm a behavioral designer. So what that means is that I help companies build the kind of products and services that build good habits in people's lives. So I work in healthcare to help people make sure they take their medicine or use a, a medical device. I work in education to help uh, people learn new languages or uh, um, you know, learn online, for example. Uh, I work with financial services companies to help people make a habit out of saving money. So anywhere where you need a repeat behavior, those are the kind of businesses that are my clients. And my research in the field has extended back to over a decade now, looking at the deeper psychology of why we get hooked uh, and how we can use the same psychology that Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp and Slack, all these companies use to get us hooked to their products, sometimes for frivolous reasons, right? Sometimes just for entertainment. But how can we use that same exact psychology for good? How can we use it to help people learn a new language or uh, get fit or you know, live healthier lives through the products and services we use? So that was my first book is Hooked, How to Build Habit Forming Products. That's what I still do professionally. Most of my time is speaking, consulting, and teaching around that topic. And then my mm -hmm. second book is called Indistractable, which looks at the second, the, the other side. So Hooked was about building good habits. Indistractable is how to break bad habits. Now, it's not the same habits, right? We can have good habits that get us to the gym and help us eat right, et cetera. But then we also have these bad habits that we want to know how to break around, oh, spending too much time on social media or watching too much TV or whatever the case might be. So I wanted to look at both sides of the equation, how to build good habits with the products we use, and then how to break those bad habits that can lead us towards distraction. Mm. Now, what were you saying? I was looking at my phone. No, I'm just kidding. Indistractable <laughs> is the title of the book, How to Control Your Attention and Choose Your Life. It's always best to choose life, I find. I wake up every morning and go, mm, death, life, I'm going to go with the life thing today. <laughs> work, work so far. <laughs> I don't know about that. But uh, anyway, so uh, give us a rundown of Indistractable. <laughs> How to yeah, control sure. your attention and choose your life. Uh, what are some yeah. of the things that people run into and how do we, how do you help them overcome it? Sure. I mean, I think there's a real bifurcation today going on that there's a, a division between the kind of people who let their time and attention be controlled by others, right? As you said, they're not mm -hmm. choosing their life. They're letting other people choose their life for them based on the mm -hmm. media they consume, uh, what they do with their time, whether they're able to, to focus on the values and priorities that are important to them. And then there are the people who say, no, I will not let my life be manipulated and controlled by others. I will choose how I spend my time and attention because this is truly how we choose our life. 
So mm-hmm. those type of people are people who I call indistractable. Now, indistractable mm-hmm. doesn't mean you never get distracted. I wrote the book and I still get distracted from time to time. What it <laughs> means is that you're the kind of person who knows why they got distracted and they, they can do something about it in the future. So Coelho uh-huh. Coelho had a wonderful quote. He said, a mistake repeated more than once is a decision. A mistake repeated mm-hmm. more than once is a decision. So, okay, let's say you get distracted once. Damn you, social media, Mark Zuckerberg, you make these uh, products so good. We want to use them all the time. Okay, he got you once. Are you going to let him mm-hmm. keep getting you again and again and again and again? Or mm-hmm. are you going to stand up and say, no, 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 I know why I got distracted. I'm going to take actions today to prevent getting distracted tomorrow. So indistractable is not just about the tech distractions. It's about all the distractions we see in our world today. It's you know the television. It's our kids can be a distraction. Work can be a distraction. All kinds of things can be a distraction if it's not what you said you were going to do with your time and attention. There you go. So uh, national bestseller, winner of Outstanding Works, uh, multiple awards for this. Uh, what, what, what do you, is, is social media like the biggest problem of distraction these days? Definitely not. Definitely not. In fact, in, in, well, it depends on the context. So when we did surveys of what's the biggest distraction in the workplace, the number one distraction was not email. It wasn't Slack. It wasn't any kind of technology. It wasn't phones. It was other people. That was the number one source of distraction in the American workplace. It's your boss coming by your desk while you're working on a big project saying, Hey, can I have that TPS report? Or your friend saying, Hey, you want to hear some office gossip? That turned out to be the number one source of distraction at work. Uh, At home, there's all kinds of other distractions, right? Today, now that many people are working at home uh, post pandemic, the number one source of distraction tends to be their kids, (laughs) right? We love them to death. But they can also be a huge source of distraction if you haven't found ways to, to, to deal with what we call these external triggers in our environment. But, but here's the interesting thing. If you look past the tools we're using, okay, it's, it's, it's silly to just look at the tool. Because remember, distraction has been with us for at least the past 2,500 years. Plato, the Greek philosopher, talked about distraction 2,500 years ago, and he complained about how distracting the world was back then. So it can't be caused by social media. Right. It's been around way too long for it to be caused. People have always been distracted. So we have to look deeper than just what tools are we using and realize that the number one source of distraction and studies have found this, that the number one source of distraction, in fact, 90 percent of the distractions that come from our phone don't originate from the phone. Think about this. Ten percent. This is what studies have found. Ten percent of the distractions that come from our phone are from the pings, dings and rings. The other yeah. 90%, 90% of the t- distractions that come from our phone start from within us. What are these called? These are called internal triggers. Boredom, loneliness, uh-huh. fatigue, uncertainty, stress, anxiety. This was the big re- revelation for me is that it's not the tool, okay? It's not the, the, the thing outside of us. It's these uncomfortable sensations, these icky, sticky feelings that we don't want to deal mm-hmm. with. This is why we look for distraction. Here's the thing. doesn't matter if oh. it's too much news. Too much booze, too much football, too much Facebook, you will always find a distraction if you don't first deal and process those uncomfortable sensations. Hmm. You know, uh, uh, that was one of the jokes I had that uh, boo- drinking and booze is one of them because, you know, then you start uh, text messaging all sorts of stuff and you wake up the next morning going, ah, I didn't mean to send a, that DM to my mom. Um, the uh, On Snapchat, I don't know, there's the joke you can figure it out. Um, the, uh, you know, what about, uh, one of the big problems I see with addiction and social media addiction, cause I, I, you know, you and me, well, I don't know about you, you're much younger than me, I think, but 
I grew up in the age where, you know, you didn't, if you wanted to walk around with a phone, you had to carry the rotary with you and it didn't work because um, it was unplugged. But, um, you know, I grew up in the age where you met people, talked to them, you know, called them and stuff. And so it's still weird to me when I see people walking around like this, just mm-hmm. like, and they never look up. You're like, I don't know how you've not wandered into traffic with the way you're going. Uh, it still bugs me when I go to, uh, I'll go out to eat. And I'll see like a whole family of like, you know, four kids and two parents. And like every single one of them is like this. It's like yeah. robotic. And uh, uh, one thing I see that's really big is uh, validation online, needing a lot of women needing validation. Most of the apps have turned into these uh, dating apps or validation apps where it's like, look at me, tell me how beautiful I am. There seems to be an addiction to that. I don't know. Am I wrong? Well, I think some people can get addicted to technology and social media. Some mm-hmm. people can get addicted to all sorts of things, right? Yeah. But uh, certainly not everyone who uses these things are addicted, not even close, right? Mm-hmm. Not everyone who has a glass of wine with dinner is an alcoholic. Uh, not everyone who has sex from time to time is a sex addict, right? So it turns out that about 3 to 5% of the population is addicted to one thing or another. Um, so that means that there's a 97, 95% chance that's not you. So for the vast majority of people, we're not addicted. We are distracted. But of course, we don't want to use that language, right? We want to think that we're puppets on a string. We like to believe that this is something that's out of our control. Why? Why would we like to think we're out of control? Because then there's no responsibility, Hmm. right? If Zuckerberg is doing it to me, well, nothing I can do. We're all addicted. addicted. And even if you're not thinking this consciously, subconsciously, you see these kind of behaviors. Well, people say, oh, you know, it's hijacking my brain. BS. Hmm. Hijacking is what they did to us on 9-11. Hijacking is not Candy Crush, for God's sakes. Get a grip, okay? We need to stop using this language that disempowers us. And this is my big beef with, I think, tech critics. Like, I don't know if you saw the movie, The the Social Dilemma movie. That Social Dilemma could have been, that movie could have been produced by the tech companies because Mm. that accomplished their goal. If their goal is to get you to keep using these devices more than you'd like, the best Mm -hmm. thing you can tell people, the best lie is that it's hijacking their brains and there's nothing they can do about it. So Mm. I'm here to tell people that, yeah, there are negative repercussions to overuse of everything. Watch too much TV. Heck, listen to too much Chris Voss podcast. Yeah, Yeah, do that. That's a good addiction. That's a healthy addiction. (laughs) That's a good addiction. That's fine. Do that. But anything you overconsume is going to have negative repercussions. So the problem is, here's what's interesting too, is that there have been studies that showed that there is no connection between depressive symptoms and the amount of hours spent online. But there is a connection between depressive symptoms and whether you think spending time online is bad for you. Think about that for a minute. The perception, the moralizing, the the guilt that, oh my God, I'm spending too much time online, that's bad for you, can actually be worse for you than the time online, okay? There's nothing wrong with spending time on social media. There's nothing wrong with, with watching Netflix. There's nothing wrong with any of these things. We need to stop moralizing and medicalizing these behaviors. Rather, we need to say, look, anything in excess has negative repercussions. How can I get the best out of these tools without letting them get the best of me? And that's what becoming indistractable is all about. It's about empowering yourself, not to be some professor that says, oh, stop using social media, stop using email. Thanks, stupid. My job relies on those things, right? I can't just <laughs> stop using email, right? I'll get fired. Yeah. So yeah. instead of saying, let's cut it out of our lives, we have to figure out how do we use it in a way that serves us as opposed to us serving the tech companies. 
And these tech companies, they really play on our emotions, as you said. You know, the, the emotions, you know, they, they for a long time, I, I think they're trying to dial back, but for a long time they played on your emotional stuff. So they would, you know, hit you with some news or some, some posts that somebody made that was really emotional and would enrage you maybe or trigger you, and, and they would make sure that those posts were shared actively. And it was real, it was real gamification of your, of your emotions. Yeah, well, all all media does that. Mm-hmm. All media. I guess that's true. Right? When you, when you watch Fox else. News or CNN or the New York Times or whatever name or podcast, it has to play on your emotions. Look, I, I went to journalism yeah. school as an undergrad, and the first rule of journalism is: if it bleeds, it leads. That's true. That's what journalism that's is true. all about. Yeah. If it bleeds, it leads. Yeah. It doesn't matter if the news they're giving you has any impact whatsoever on your life. They mm. don't care. Mm-hmm. Fox News will never tell you you've had enough. Please go have a life. Okay? They will tell you <laughs> stories of people suffering 5,000 miles away so that you can take your mind off of your problems at home. That's yeah. what they do. Okay? All media, not just social media, all media folks. Does yeah. anybody not know that the media business sells your eyeballs that's what they do they Mm. sell it to advertisers wake up that's always been their business model now that doesn't mean it's a bad thing it's fine i'm very happy to have access to the news which most of it by the way i can get for free it's a miraculous age we live in that i can get access to that stuff so just Mm -hmm. because they're playing on our emotions doesn't mean it's a bad thing that's their job we want them to tell us stories that's why we tune in the question is, what are we going to do about it? We need to stop blaming and shaming oh. and start claiming responsibility for how we use these products. That's true. It's half the battle recognizing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think it's the whole battle <laughs> is that, you know, here's, here's what happens when people think that there's nothing they can do about a problem when it's being done to them, which is a beautiful mm-hmm. narrative. We like the. There's always scapegoats. If you look at throughout history, right, it's in the Bible. Scapegoating is what we do. Right, We never like to assume responsibility for our own problems unless we're absolutely forced to. It's always easier to say, oh, it's that country over there doing it to me. It's those people over there. It's that, that, that guy doing it to me. There's always the other that, that causes mm-hmm. our problems because people don't like to think, wait a minute, what can I do? Right? That's a very uncomfortable question because now I have to change my life and do something different. And you can much, It's much easier to incite people and to, to make money on selling fear. Much easier mm. than when you when you sell positivity and personal responsibility. Well, now it sounds like you're selling something as opposed mm-hmm. to if you're selling fear, you're trying to protect people. But the truth of yeah. the matter is that most of our problems can be solved by us, by us. Mm. We need to claim responsibility for the things we do and don't do in our life. What? You want me to be self-accountable? What? What, what kind of, what kind <laughs> of thing sucks. is this? I'm going to go watch TV. Yeah, write that down, Gen Zers. Um, so, uh, yeah, recognizing that, I think recognizing what's being gamed against you. Yeah, I always love in the news, they do those promos where they put the fear of God into you. Like, did you know that hangnails can cause cancer? And if you don't watch at 11, you'll die by 12. And you're like, I better watch at 11 because I got a hangnail on Clearly, you know, it's, it's, they make it sound like like you will die tomorrow if you don't watch this yeah. show. In fact, I just came up with a title for the podcast. Watch, listen to this podcast or near will kill your grandmother. Oh, I'm just kidding. 
Here tells yeah. us why your grandmother is dumb. Anyway, I'm just kidding. He didn't do that. Trust me, folks. You don't have to skip around the podcast to try and figure out where he said that. I made that up. Um, right now, somebody's going, let's skip the six and see where that was. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, I just got a C&D from Nier's attorney. Uh, anyway, so this is pretty insightful. I love this. I love this because, you know, it's amazing to me people how, how many people don't recognize the play. They don't recognize the play of politicians who, you know, do the straw man and go, that guy's, it's, it's always that person over there who's trying to rip you off. Not me. I'd never pick your pocket, pick your pocket. Um, you right. know, and, and the same thing with media. And, and I'm always like just sitting around going, you know, this has been going on since the beginning of time, politics and, and media and control of ideas. It, it's like, why haven't we evolved as a species enough where we go, Hey, I see what you're up to there. You know, mm-hmm. for me, I grew up, I grew up in religion, in a cult. And so for me, I was being force fed a lot of crap at an early age. And I was like, wait, I don't know about this. And for some reason I had this brain that would just be like, so why does, I need to know why. And I was one of those uh, stupid ones. And uh, they're like, just shut up and have some faith. And I'd be like, um, you know, I got to have a little bit more to build on here. And uh, so I was, you know, one of those heathens or whatever, Satan's child. But um, so I've always kind of taken that approach in life where I look at them from a very analytical thing. And when I look at stuff, whether it's news or, um, you know, gamification, when I play video games or, you know, politicians or anything that comes at me, uh, you know, people in my life, I'm always, I always like look at them and go, "Mm, what's your angle? What's your motivation? Like some guy from Brooklyn or something. I don't know. I'm just like, what's this guy's angle? Um, what are you coming at me and why are you coming at me for it? And what are you trying to achieve? And, uh, why should I give a shit? I suppose. But, um, you know, there, there are things that I agree to that I go, okay, well, I'll, I'll buy your thing. You know, gamification is a big one, of course, of video games, but you know, you bring up a good point. How do we deal with those emotions? Like, do we Mm -hmm. need to sit down and go, why am I insecure about something or feeling insecure? And so I'm using, you know, I'm doing something to watch some TV or Netflix or doing some yeah. sort of behavior to do that. Well, it, it starts from defining what is distraction. So, so let's start there. Mm-hmm. So um, the best way to understand what distraction is, is to understand what distraction is not. So most people, mm-hmm. if you say, what's the opposite of distraction, they'll tell you the opposite of distraction is focus. Not true. The opposite of distraction is not focus. The opposite of distraction is traction. It's right there in the word traction and ah, distraction. Traction. Both words come from the same Latin root, trahare, which means to pull. And they both end mm. in the same six letters, A-C-T-I-O-N, that spells action. So ah. traction, by definition, is any action that pulls you towards what you said you were going to do. Things that move you closer to your values, help you become the kind of person you want to become. Those are acts of traction. The opposite oh. of traction is distraction distraction is any action that pulls you further away from what you said you were going to do further away from your goals further away from living out your values so that's really really important because i would argue any action can be traction or distraction based on Mm -hmm. one word and that one word is forethought okay the time you plan to waste is not wasted time as dorothy parker said so if you want to play video games do it Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with playing video games do it, though, on your schedule, not someone else's. And don't do it oh. because you're trying to escape some kind of uncomfortable emotion. So now that we have 
detraction and distraction, now we can plug in our external and internal triggers. The external triggers we talked about earlier, those are the pings, dings, and rings, those things in our outside environment that can lead us towards distraction. But again, that's only 10% of the reason we get distracted. The other 90% of the time that we get distracted, it's not because of what's happening outside of us, rather it's about what's happening in our own heads. So that's the Mm -hmm. first place to start. The first step to becoming indistractable is understanding what are those internal triggers and learning ways to master those uncomfortable sensations or they will become your master. If you look at why people do things that they later regret, right? Why do they drink too much? Why do they spend too much time watching TV? Why do they, you know, whatever it might be, things that they later look back and say, oh, that is not how I wanted to spend my time on earth. Mm -hmm. You will always find that there's an uncomfortable emotion that they are trying to escape. And so that is step number one is how do you cope with that discomfort? You don't need to go see a psychiatrist, nothing wrong with it. But if you, it's something you can do by yourself. Uh, I give over a dozen different techniques that you can use to start Mm -hmm. mastering those internal internal triggers so they don't become your masters. And we can talk about some of those techniques as well. Nice. Uh, Let's do this. Let's force people to buy the book to pick those up because I want to move to your second (laughs) book and get a few more jokes in. One thing was interesting uh, is, did you find that a lot of people have one of their biggest emotions that they're having about just getting distracted is FOMO, fear of missing out. I find Huge. a lot of my friends that that's half the reason they grab the phone off the table, you know, as soon as it buzzes is because they're, you know, and I'm, I'm guilty of it too. There, there's the fear of missing out, which is an emotion yeah. I suppose too. Is that an official totally. emotion? I don't know if it is. Yeah, no, that's, that's a, that's a big it's one. Fear. fear of missing out is, is, yeah. is, yeah, it's fear. Exactly. And, and of course, you know, fear is a powerful motivator. Uh, the, the question is, is it, is it, real? Is it justified? And Mm -hmm. uh, that fear of missing out is the reason we act more than the reality that we are missing out. Mm. That's a really important insight. So, so when many people resist, okay, I can't be indistractable because what if my kids need me? What if my boss needs me? What if my friends need me? It's more often than not, I'm talking 99% of the time, it's a fear versus a reality. Guess what? Your kids can wait a little while so that you can finish that big project. Uh, yeah. Your boss can, can hang on for 15 minutes so that you can finish that priority. Uh, what, you, know, you can go to the gym real quick. Nothing's going to happen if you do the things you say you're going to do. Uh, mm-hmm. In that time, the world's not going to fall apart. But people have the fear it might. They might miss out that somebody might go. need them. And real, in reality, it's an excuse. At the end of the day, yeah. it's a feeling, and feelings can be managed. And and nine times out of ten, when you go look at what the notification is, you know it's, it's yeah, something that anything. it wasn't That's worth your trivial. it wasn't worth distracting. You know, like Kanye exactly. West, especially when it broke comes at the expense. The, the the real the the cost of this is the the time you could have spent doing the things you really want to do. Exactly. Right? Like, like you said, like no. I see people in restaurants all the time with their family, They're having a beautiful family dinner, and all the kids are on their devices. Right. Like, mm-hmm. well, why did you go to dinner to spend time with your family if everybody on their phones? Right. So that's, that's why are you sitting there? And you look, know, you could all just be home yeah, looking at your own screen. Like, uh, yeah. And, and I'm not judging anybody. Right. Like, if you want to sure. live your life, you want to live your life, do it. Right. I'm not going to tell you what your values should be. What I want to do is to help people live out the values they set for themselves. Okay. Uh-huh. So if you say exercise is important to me, great. If you become indistractable, you're going to go exercise. If you say family time is important to me, great. I'm going to help you spend time with your family 100% and really be there for them. Uh, if you say work is super important, I really need to work on my business. Absolutely. I'm going to help you do that without getting distracted by all those stupid trivialities that take you off track. Because, Chris, the problem today is not that we don't know what to do. We all know what to do, 
right? We don't need to listen to some guru to tell us how to lose weight. We know how to lose weight. You eat right, you exercise. There's no secret to it. Uh, we, we don't need to listen to some business guru to tell us how to be better at work. You know how to be better at work? Do the freaking work, especially the hard stuff that other people don't want to do. That's how you get uh, relationship advice. You want to know how to have a better relationship? Be fully present with people. This, yeah. They're not Stop looking at your phone. You exactly. If, and if you don't know how to do something, Google it. Yeah. Everything you want to know is right there on Google. Just Google it. The problem is not that we don't know what to do. The problem, Chris, is that we don't know how to stop getting in our own way. That's the problem. We don't know how to stop getting distracted. And so that's exactly what becoming indistractable helps you overcome. I'm going to put that in my phone. Hang on one second. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but no, <laughs> that's brilliant. You know, I love I love how you've you've defined this foresight. It sounds like what you need to do is you need to sit down and make a plan. Is that right? Mm-hmm. You sit down and make a plan and go, okay, how am I going to start responding to these phone messages? Uh, how come, you know, I, I get the emails from the kids that are at military school till 18 and somehow they want to still talk to me. They, they can't wait. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> um, you know, uh, how do I deal with news? How do I deal with politicians, you know, trying to fire me up? How, how do I keep people from playing my emotions? Is that basically, is it good to write it down, a, a master plan? That, that's part of it. It's, it's about mm-hmm. knowing what tools you'll have in your toolkit when you feel these emotions. Okay. And what, mm-hmm. what I found in my study of, of indistractable people, when you look at high performers in every industry, whether it's top athletes, whether it's people in business, whether it's artists, whatever the case might be, people in, that are high performers, they actually feel the same internal trigger as everyone else does. They also mm-hmm. feel lonely and bored and sad and stressed and anxious. They feel the same emotions, but they mm-hmm. respond to them differently. They have different, a, a different set of habits around how do you respond to this uncomfortable sensation. What many people do, distractible people, when they feel that discomfort, they immediately look for escape. Uh, I can't deal with this boredom. I can't deal with this stress. I can't deal with whatever anxiety I'm feeling. Let me go escape it with something, whether it's too much news, booze, Facebook, football, whatever. They're going to find something to escape it into. Mm-hmm. High performers don't do that. High performers leverage that discomfort. They use the insecurity, the stress, the anxiety as rocket fuel to propel them towards traction, right? This is why you hear so many people who have really tough upbringings and they're incredibly motivated. They're incredibly productive because they're using, they have something to prove, right? They use that discomfort like rocket fuel towards traction rather than trying to escape it with distraction. And so that, that's what we see with these high performers. So the good news is anyone can learn those habits. So what you do in response to those uncomfortable sensations, this is a really important point. People think you can control your emotions. You can control your urges. You cannot. You cannot control your urges, okay? Mm. What you can control is how you will respond to those urges. So it's like the urge to sneeze. If you feel the urge to sneeze, it's too late. You've already felt the urge to sneeze. You can't, (laughs) you don't control the urge to sneeze. Just like if you control the urge to eat that piece of chocolate cake if you're on a diet or scroll your cell phone or whatever the case might be, if you feel the urge, that is not in your control. Don't try and claim mm. response. Don't try and get uh, control over it. What you can do is that you can claim responsibility for how you will respond to that sensation. Uh. So when you feel the urge to sneeze, are you going to sneeze all over everyone and get them sick? No. You take out a tissue and you cover your face. That's the responsible thing to do. So yeah, it's but it's better if you share, goes- though. I'm just yeah, <laughs> exactly. They won't be very happy with that, but you can feel free to share. That. In that case, sharing is not caring. But but it, whether it's your phone or your, a cigarette or uh, a piece of chocolate cake, the idea is how you will respond to that sensation. So what I do is mm-hmm. to teach you different techniques that you can use starting day one about how to respond to those that discomfort in a healthier way. 
There you go. There you go. Uh, so here's, that's, here's the thing. If I can make good. Sorry, one more quick point. Please. We know, in, in fact, that all human motivation, we used to think that human motivation was about pain and pleasure, right? The carrot mm. and the stick. We mm. now know that's not true. That neurologically speaking, everything we do is not about rewards and punishments, carrots and sticks. That is not true neurologically. In fact, mm. when you look inside the brain through fMRI studies, we know that the human brain is motivated by one thing and one thing only. And that one thing is the desire to escape discomfort. That's it. The desire to escape discomfort. Even, get this, even the pursuit of pleasurable sensations, right? Even wanting to feel good, craving, lusting, desire, all these things are psychologically destabilizing. We know, you know, there's there's that song, Love Hurts. And it's true yeah. that that's exactly right. Craving something, desiring something is the, 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 the propensity to want to feel good is itself uncomfortable. So what oh. does that mean? That means, therefore, if all human behavior is spurred by a desire to escape discomfort, that means that time management is pain management. Money management is pain management. Weight management is pain management because all human behavior is spurred by a desire to escape discomfort. So once you realize that fact, it's incredibly empowering because it's just mm. feelings. And once mm. we can control those sensations, we can master our well-being. That explains my first six divorces. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it might actually. <laughs> to get away from pain. Yeah, there you go. Uh, just to joke, people. There's only been seven. Uh, so uh, Hooked. How to build habit-forming products? You guys can order up yeah. wherever that uh, book's out. Let's, or I'm sorry, I, I just read the one I'm leading into. So we're going to talk about hook yeah. now. How to build habit-forming products? The prior thing we were, I was trying to plug there was indistractable. How to control your attention and choose your life. Um, so let's talk about hooked and yeah. uh, your 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 prior book and uh, tell us about this one and what motivated you to write it. Yeah. So my first book was about how do you use technology products primarily to change behavior for good, for healthy habits. So what I did was look at what, you know, how do you break down the psychology of TikTok and Instagram and Slack and uh, Snapchat and all these products that are so good at keeping us hooked. I wanted to figure out their secrets and I wanted to steal those secrets so that the rest of us, so entrepreneurs can use them for good to help people Mm. exercise more, uh, save money, connect with loved ones be more productive at work. And that's exactly what's happened. So, so hooked is a, is a how to guide indistractables for everyone, right? Anyone who finds themselves distracted, that's, you know, everyone feels that these days. So that's, so that's you wrote a book on how to get companies to make products to distract you. And then you wrote a book for people to not get distracted. I see you're, you're playing that's, both sides that, here, aren't you? That's the, that's the marketing spin that uh, gets people I see to see what you're up to. Here. Wow. That's a yeah. self-serving I, uh, cycle of uh... <laughs> yeah, but of course it's not the same products, right? I've never consulted for Facebook and Twitter and oh. these guys that they they already know these techniques. That that's guess where I learned them. I stole their their secrets ah. and put them in my book, so that the rest of us can use these techniques for good. There you go. And uh, you know, I've never I've never worked for the gaming companies or any of these guys. The idea here, they already know these techniques. The idea is. Oh, yeah. Uh, how can we build businesses to help improve people's lives by building good habits? And he, the good news is we can have our cake and eat it too, right? We can be hooked to that exercise app and also become indistractable to not overwatch the news or other distractions in our life. There you go. There you go. Uh, yeah, it's it's really important that we identify this stuff. It's really crazy how how pretty much, um, you know, it, 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 so we're so manipulated and so many people buy into it. They're just like, uh, yeah, you know, uh, the news said this, you know, and there's a lot of people that, 
whatever the news is or what's worse is the people who who see a meme on Facebook and that's what they determine their political slant is or the political narrative of the day is. And, you know, it's, it's from Russia or something, you know, and people yeah. are buying into well, it, it and they don't look at it and go, what's the play here? What's being, what's the, yeah, angle? It, it, the good news is that we adapt, right? That human beings are, I think there's, there's kind of this perception that we're all like, idiots that oh the, not not me of course right i'm not the idiot no, everybody everyone, else is the it's idiot. everyone but you and, and me. of course that's, that's not true right we, we we've seen the enemy and it's us right we're the yeah. idiots <laughs> but we're also amazing we need to give mm-hmm. ourselves more credit too that we can change and, and we we're seeing this already right we're seeing that people get smart over time this is what people do when there's a technology that has uh, a, a massive impact on society we do two things we adapt and we adopt, mm-hmm. right? Every new technology has negative consequences, right? So as Paul Virilio said, when you invent the ship, you invent the shipwreck, okay? Mm-hmm. But when was the last time you heard about a shipwreck? Almost never. You almost never hear about shipwreck. Do, did we stop sailing ships? Did we say ships are evil? They hijack your brain? No. <laughs> you know what we did? We made ships better. We improved the technology mm-hmm. around how we use, how, how we build and, and sail ships so that they crash less. And guess what? That's what we're doing with technology right now. So, mm-hmm. you know, Facebook was a dumpster fire a few years ago. So that built an opportunity for TikTok to now come in, which is, a, I think, a much more moderated, healthier environment. It's not perfect. There's lots of problems. There's potential threats, of course, but it's a lot healthier yeah. because people got sick of this dumpster fire of politics and advertising yeah. on Facebook. I don't know anybody under 40 who's still on Facebook. They're all on Instagram or, or, or on uh, TikTok, TikTok. And yeah. I know Facebook owns Instagram. Yeah, I, I got that. But it's a it's a case in point of how consumers, they're not stupid. They look for a place that makes them feel better, that helps them deal with the problem that they're facing in a healthier manner. And that's exactly what we're seeing now. People didn't want all the politics and ridiculous Russia stuff on, that was infecting Facebook. They didn't trust it anymore. And so they went to look for other places, which proves my point that you can't addict people to these problems, to these products. They're not mindless zombies. People will eventually, if you don't serve their needs, they're going to go somewhere else. You know, you bring up a good point. I never thought of it. I've had a lot of friends in Silicon Valley that have written apps and tried to make, you know, Facebook copies and social copies, social community copies. Um, you know, even I've been good at building communities, but I never really thought about how that it's the pleasure of emotion that people are searching for. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll be really good at designing their product and they're like, if you push this button, you go over here. And if you push this button, it goes over here. And it's like, yeah, but how do they feel during this whole thing? You really opened my mind up to that in hmm. in uh, the feeling aspect of it. Is it is it giving me that dopamine you know reward hit? And, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's 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 more, it's less about the, the the dopamine stuff than it is the is it solving my problem? <laughs> Plain and simple, right? Uh-huh. If you go to the grocery store and you look at the uh, fruit section and uh, half the produce is rotten, guess what? You're not going to buy it. <laughs> yeah. And if a product doesn't, doesn't make you feel the way you, 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 you uh, came uh, to, to, to help, if it doesn't solve the problem the way you came and expected it to, then you're not going to use it. That's another thing. I've looked at some of their products. I'm like, what does this solve? Like in there, and, and it's got, it, it gotten so kind of crazy. There was people made so many apps that it just became really niche to make like an app. And you're like, uh, hey, I, I, I've got a new app. And you're like, what is it? And it's like, I've got a uh, Uber for mosquitoes. And you're like, mm, I'm not sure that's going to work out because they they, they're too small to carry wallets. And, and they can't get credit cards because everyone knows the mosquitoes have bad credit. They're, just, they're, they're horrible at paying their bills. Those but, uh, 
those bastards and, and, you know, giving you uh whatever that, what is that disease they carry? Um, anyway. Yeah. So this is, this is really important. Um, is, so is hooked a good book for, I mean, I guess both parties to see how people manipulate and companies can manipulate it, but also if you're a product builder to see how to build good habit forming products. Yeah. So hooked is, is written for people who are making, uh, products that they want to turn into a habit. And of course, you know, that's, that's very important for many businesses, not all businesses. Many businesses uh, can be profitable with a one-time transaction. But if you want your customers to return, if you want to build those healthy habits in your customer's life, then uh, then, then Hooked is written for you. Whereas Indistractable is for anyone who's struggling with distraction at work, at home. Uh, if you're not fulfilling your full potential, if you know you can do better, but for some reason you keep getting in your own way, then that's written for you. You need to do a third book. And it's between uh, being hooked and indistractable, uh, what to do in the meantime when you're bored. Uh, and that way you've, you will complete the whole circumference of the infinite loop you've created. Uh, but no, I love the idea. People people need to realize this. Like even when I play video games, you know, I'll start like a new video game like Call of Duty or something. And, you know, you you I, I can see the matrix and I go, okay, gamification. Okay. You're, you're programming me to learn how to play the game properly and enjoy it. And you're giving me these little rewards up front, you know, and then eventually those rewards start spacing out and become less and I'm chasing them more, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, I can see the whole game of it and I buy into it and it's cool. Um, but, you know, a lot of people don't see that. They're just like, you know, my friends will be like, uh, well, I don't understand. What is this crap going on? And I'm like, this is the gamification part. You're being trained. Trust me. Uh, sure. It'll work. And, okay. and you know what? We we pay for the privilege, right? It's not that different from what movies do. When you go to see a movie, it's it's made to have that cliffhanger of what's going to happen at the end, right? Yeah. It's what makes books fun. Yeah. Sports. What do you think sports is all about? Sports is a slot machine, right? Why do we watch a, oh. a ball bouncing around? Uh, it's because we like uncertainty. We want mystery. It's oh. called variable reward. Uh, and so these type of products are not necessarily bad. It's about how we use them. We, yeah. we pay for the privilege to go to watch a sports match. We pay for video games. We pay for movies because they're fun. They're engaging. They're entertaining. And there's nothing wrong with it. As long as we don't do them in a, it, as a distraction, as long as we, we plan mm. for here is when I'm going to play video games, here's when I'm going to check social media, here's when I'm going to you know, watch sports on TV, as opposed to using these tools uh, as an analgesic, right? Using it mm. as a way to relieve pain in my life and not have to deal with what's really happening in reality. There you go. I know a lot of friends that use uh, gaming to tune out. I, I use it sometimes. <laughs> to tune out. I've been known to just go, I'm just going to game all day long. I just really don't care right now about anything. And just kind of, that's my little vacation day. I'll just like on a Saturday, I'll just be like, ah, fuck it. And, uh, I probably shouldn't do that. I mean, this, sometimes I get bored with it and I'm just like, I'm not doing this anymore today, but, um, it, it sometimes it's fun just to go do whatever you want for a day. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I like, I like getting into this stuff because people need to realize the, the things out there they need to create better habits because like you say the successful people they've just learned to manage their emotions and learn how you know it's always about how you respond right Mm -hmm. that's right yeah and it's it's a learnable skill just like any other and again there's nothing wrong with playing video games all day on a saturday if that's what you want to do right in advance not in the day don't wake up saturday morning and say i'm gonna game all day because i feel like crap plan that time right if you plan it on friday and say hey you know what i've got no obligations i'm a grown adult i can do whatever i want with my time enjoy it right it's your life the problem is when you say oh my life sucks i don't want to deal with my problems okay i'm gonna go escape in my cocoon yeah and then your life will suck more because you're not doing things you're supposed to and that's this 
that's this vicious cycle that can lead us towards from from distraction sometimes towards addiction. Now, addiction has you know other roots. It's not just the video game that causes people to get addicted, right? Typically, addiction has you know some other comorbidity. Almost 100 percent of the time, you know, no, nobody steps on a heroin needle and becomes addicted to heroin. It's not how it works. There's always mm-hmm. some kind of past trauma. There's some inability to deal with the pain in their life, and they're using the drugs, the booze, the video games, the porn as an escape from reality. Um, but, but that's, you know, that many of us, even if we're not addicted can use this as a distraction. So that's what we need to be very mm. careful of. I use coffee to distract myself from reality. Um, yeah, that's a lot of coffee, <laughs> enough caffeine and, and anyway, this has been wonderfully insightful uh, near to have you on the My show. Pleasure. Um, anything more you want to touch on or tease out before we go? No, I appreciate it. Yeah, the my website is nearandfar.com if you want to check out my writing. And uh, the book, again, is Indistractable, How to Control Your Attention and Choose Your Life. And that's available at uh, wherever books are sold. But if you go to my website, indistractable.com, there's actually an 80-page workbook uh, that we couldn't fit into the final edition of the book. So it's a supplementary, completely complimentary workbook to get you started. Again, that's indistractable.com. It's spelled I-N, the word distract, A-B-L-E, indistractable.com. There you go, guys. I highly recommend it. He's got a million reviews on the Amazon. Uh, you, you definitely want to understand how to control your life better and manage your life better because otherwise you just end up a zombie. And a lot of people go through life and they just wake up one day, you know, at 40 and go, uh, what the hell have I been doing? You know, it's like what do they call that, a midlife crisis. So, um, you know, you, you want to understand what's going on. You want to be able to watch media and everything that's coming at you and go, what's the angle? Why are they trying to do this? And, you know, you just don't want to be someone who's who's just some zombie that they're just running around with me going, ah, you know, which is, I don't know. I don't have a joke for that. Uh, so, Nir, thank you very much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. There you go. And we got your dot coms. Uh, guys, be sure to check it out. Order up the books wherever fine books are sold. Stay away those alleyways because uh, I had I got a tetanus shot that I needed to have after going on one last weekend. Uh, the books are called Hooked, How to Build Habit-Forming Products. You can order it wherever fine books are sold or go to, can you tell I always say that at the end of the show, Indistractable, How to Control Your Attention and choose your life you always want to choose life people that's always a good thing uh wake up every day and uh choose that life thing uh i hear it's fun you should try that um anyway i think we lost near uh thanks for tuning in be good to each other stay safe we'll see you guys next time